Hey there, history fans. Welcome back to the History Explains It All podcast, where we cover a variety of historical topics from the Stone Age to the modern age. I'm Lauren. I'm Melissa. In today's episode, we're covering your topic that you voted on. I voted on something? Oh, not me. Not you. I meant the listeners. (laughs) They voted on the Ricky McCormick Cypher or McCormick Mm -hmm. Cypher, however you want to title that. But before we jump in. Is it a code? We'll get into that. So much to get into. But before we jump right in, just to let you know, we do have our Instagram page, History Explains It All underscore podcast. It's the same thing for our Facebook page where you can contact us, check out our content. We put up a Today in History or an Archaeology in, the his- in History at least twice a week on Sundays and Tuesdays. We also put up about the episode that we, we put up every single Thursday. Join us for that. If you want to send in a comp, send in a comment, send in a topic, a question, any of that stuff. We do also have our email, historyexplainsall at gmail.com. Anything else? Oh, rate and review. Please leave us a rate and review whenever you can. We'd really appreciate it. We'd like to know what you think and hear your thoughts via the rate and review. And we also, it's also how people can find the podcast. So, yay. Yay. Shall we jump right in? Jump right in. Yeah, why not? Go ahead. I shall. I just hope you're prepared for me to nerd out in this episode. I'll let you nerd out because mine's very short because there's honestly not a lot on McCormick's life. No. Like there's very little. I don't have anything about his childhood or any of that. Other than information, I can probably spurs it in, but there's not a lot. Yeah, exactly. If you found something that I didn't find, that'd be great. So Ricky, Ricky McCormick had a life that was filled with troubles and problems he did have health problems such as heart and lung issues. He also had a uh, record. He, uh, I really don't want to say this. He sexually assaulted a 14-year-old girl whom he had two children with. That's one reason he went to jail. Yeah, he pled guilty for that. And he was also known to travel down to Florida for one of his bosses at a gas station that he worked at part-time to pick up marijuana for him. Basically kind of like a drug courier or dealer. And when he did die or was murdered, he actually was in a relationship with somebody whom the police spoke to. And oh, also he was on disability. I mean, the guy worked part-time three days a week at an Amoco gas station wasn't making a ton of money he didn't have a permanent home he basically lived at his mom's or his girlfriend's from what I got and he was also illiterate he really didn't know much could barely write his name kind of situation is what his mom and girlfriend say said anything else to throw in there because that's about as much as I could find it was hard to find more on him for me. How about you? Uh, I mean, in terms of his life as a whole or just his childhood? I mean, his life, you could either one, it doesn't really matter because there wasn't much. Now, most of the notes I have about Ricky were mostly about his death and how he was found outside of the notes and stuff that we'll get into. But um, no, that was pretty much it. Uh, his mom said that she often described him as a vampire because he preferred to be out at night, slept all day. Uh, considered to be street smart, but not book smart, and often referred to as quite troubled, as we mentioned. Um, no, pretty much most of the stuff that's known about Ricky is known about from the day he his body was found and afterwards. So, which we'll have more information on than yep. this section. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm going to just jump into next is the discovery of him, of his body. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, So Ricky McCormick's body was found in St. Charles County, Missouri, basically in the middle of nowhere. 
his body was discovered on June 30th, night of Route 367. He was discovered by someone who was driving along the route, and she she just spotted the body lying face down. Uh, no one had reported Ricky as missing. Just doesn't matter how long he had been missing in this case. No one had said anything, neither his girlfriend nor his mom. He was 41 years old at the time of this of his death. And like I said, had heart and lung issues. And the area that bodies Ricky was found was actually known as a criminal dumping ground. He did have, he did work part-time at the gas station, at the Amoco gas station. And his body was found several miles away from his home and the gas station. Like it, it's very weird to have found his body there unless he was a criminal in that sense, I guess. And he also, by the way, did not own a car. And there was no public transportation service that stopped off in that area. Nowhere near it did a public transit, bus, train, anything stop there. So you either had to walk that, have a car, or get a ride to that area. By several miles, we're talking, I had most of what I heard was 20 miles, but I heard one one source say 50 miles. I think 50 is a little far, but definitely 20 miles is certainly more likely. Yeah, it said about, it said over 20 miles was, one source said over 15 miles and one said over 20. So my guess would be somewhere between 15 and 25 miles total. And the MEs that looked at his body gave their time of death or his time of death as three days prior to his the discovery of his body. So they believe he died on June 27th, 1999, and his body was discovered June 30th. So what's really interesting is that his body look, looked as if it had gone into far stages of decomposition, which is weird because if he really did only die three days before, it wouldn't have, the, the body would not have decomposed as much as it did. Well, unless, unless the weather played an, an effect or wild animals, but according to the weather in, on those days, it wasn't, it had not been terribly bad. Like there wasn't an extreme rate in humidity or anything like that to have made the body decomp as much as it did according to the Emmys. And so that's that's an anomaly. And also another anomaly was that how he died. The Emmys could not determine, Emmy medical examiner, sorry, just not saying full thing. The Emmys could not determine how he died. They have no idea how McCormick's death occurred and it continues to remain a mystery. However, the police do treat it as a homicide. Well, when you've got a body in such severe state of decomp as his body, unless it's telling within the bones of which is pretty much all you have left, you're not going to be able to be conclusive on a, a, a yeah. death. Yes, that that's why it continues to be an anomaly. Do you have information about his body at the time no i will let you do that because that's i i can just see your excitement on the decomp so ricky was 41 we know he wasn't in the best of health so he probably we don't know how much he weighed but i would say average to slightly below average so i'm i don't know maybe and around 150 100 60 pounds on average. Uh, we also don't know how tall he was specifically either, so I can't give be a better estimate than that. But give or take 160 pounds. It was concluded that he had died three days earlier, but given the state of decomp he was in, it's believed that he may have been dumped there three days beforehand, but killed earlier than that and just kept someplace that just happened to be quite warm. Because when they found him, and uh, I apologize if this is a bit gross, but I like it. Uh, his body was around 72 pounds of remains, which is 
very, very little left. Yeah, Jesus. In fact, he was in such state of decomp, it said that his fingers were falling off and the skin was sloughing off. But the police were able to, I don't, rescue is not the best word, but I can't think of a better word, but were able to take what remained of the fingerprints and run them into their database and find out who this person was, because obviously he'd been in jail at least a couple of times on different charges and they were in the system. That's how they figured out who he was. But given the state of decomp, they were unable to determine how or where or specifically when they just know that he was in the cornfield for at least three days. But I don't think that's the end of the story, is it? That's the end of like the finding of his body, really. Well, okay. Look, it's there's theories on his death, though. Yeah, go ahead. One of the theories is that Ricky McCormick was killed because of a note written in code or cipher, which we'll get into in just a little bit. Yeah, we will. That was that was discovered on his body at the time of his death, and. His body was found in a known area for being a criminal dumping ground. And he had a cipher on him. Hmm. There is a chance that he was the go-between or courier for the ciphered note, they believe. Or that he wrote it. Not sure which one. However, this theory is questionable because that would mean that the killer left the ciphered note behind when that was the exact reason that they were getting rid of him. So why leave a random, a, a random, why leave a ciphered note, which you wanted behind if you did keep Ricky McCormick for a while before you dumped his body. Another possibility pertains to his trips to Florida because on his last trip to Florida, which occurred not long before his death, I think, 10 days he returned 10 days before his death he returned from florida they believe that some, some believe that something occurred while in florida because when he returned he was different he seemed different he was more afraid he was more on edge than he had ever been before so that's another theory something went down in florida and it kind of followed him back to missouri and the third theory that i have is that his bosses at the Amoco gas station uh, Juma and Baha Hamdallah killed Ricky. They were brothers that were known to have had a temper with Juma actually killing his brother Baha in August of 1999. That's how bad his temper was. It is also believed that both of these brothers were connected to organized crime and to have been part of several assaults that occurred. So you never know. I mean, he did do stuff for them. Like, going to Florida and picking up marijuana in the 90s. Not a really good combo. You're welcome to add. Go for it. I know there's more that I didn't find that you did. Uh, in terms of the note, in terms of theories of not so much what the note contains, which I'm absolutely happily get into in just a couple minutes, but in terms We're of other running. theories about the note itself, Oh, I definitely didn't touch on that because I thought that fell under your top part of the topic. So I was like, I'm just not, no, not going to, not going to touch that because she's going to be so psyched to talk about it. So shoot, go. Voila. You got it. So in terms of who wrote the note specifically, we have Ricky. We have the person who killed or dumped Ricky. We have that Ricky could have been a courier. It could have been a note written by somebody he was running drugs for if he was running drugs and the note just happened to be in his pocket. Maybe he, it was it was supposed to be a note he was passing along to somebody else rather than necessarily a courier having it in Ricky's pocket and like, oh, we're not supposed to find this kind of a thing. Also, it's very, it, it's a, a, a prevailing theory that Given Ricky's, that he was a high school dropout, could barely read, could barely write, and I'll get into that later too, that Ricky may have possibly suffered from some severe dyslexia. So the note in of itself could have been written by Ricky, but 
and a system that made sense to him and his potential severity of dyslexia. And I'll also get into that later. So we don't know who wrote the note. Now, as I was researching this, and I've known about this Ricky McCormick thing for quite some time. Thank you, Thinking Sideways Podcast. That's how I got into it in the first place about four years ago. And I've not since, even on that podcast, have heard or seen of anyone doing a handwriting comparison to Ricky's. Just because he couldn't barely write his name doesn't mean he couldn't write. He may not have been able to write coherent sentences, at least in reference to, say, writing in English. But that doesn't mean he was a high school dropout. At a certain point, he learned how to actually write letters out. So he could sign his name. He knew how to write letters. But maybe his dyslexia, if he had it, wasn't enough for him to write coherent sentences. So maybe he did write the note, but the note's written in a way that made sense to him because some people even believe the note is phonetic. But I've never seen anything that says this is an actual note written by Ricky for one reason or another. It's a shopping list or something. And this is the note that we found on him. Do the handwritings match? Never seen any kind of handwriting comparison for Ricky. I don't know why. But that's an unusual piece I have not heard about. I wonder why they wouldn't have thought of that. Maybe there wasn't any around. I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying it's, I'm surprised to, I mean, even a person's handwriting changes throughout the day, but there are some characteristics that are going to be standard. The, the, the way that you hold the pen and the way that you're all like on the desk or on the table writing it at a certain angle or do you write above hand? Do you write at an angle? Do you write really close to the paper? You know, or the, how do you hold it like a, a normal person really holds the hands? I've known people that have held a pen in their hand between their index and middle finger and written it like that because it is more comfortable for them rather than writing it normally. There's always different ways of writing, but there are similar characteristics. There's also left hand versus right hand. There are similar characteristics to everybody's preferred way of writing but I've never seen anything that Ricky ever wrote in his entire life that's been used as a comparison to the notes found in his pocket I mean it's speculated by his mom and his girlfriend that he didn't write them I'm just saying oh I'm just adding that little bit of information into so I've never seen it I've never heard anyone mention that we've tried handwriting comparisons, whether there were any to begin with, I, I don't know. Just not something that, but I mean, thing that, so he's on disability, right? I mean, he doesn't have a driver's license, but he's on disability, which means, and back in 1999, these were not online forms like we do now. It's not electronic signatures. You have to write out the, um, the forms for, disability benefits and unemployment and stuff your tax forms even he's 41 years old I mean I don't know if he's making enough to pay taxes but there are going to be some kind of government forms you're going to have to fill out especially if you're going to get disability benefits I can't unless he had an okay for someone else to fill it out for him because his disability was that bad you might have something written even if it's just his name you could compare some of the letters in the name and the way he wrote it to some of the letters that are on this note. But that's just my, the way my brain works. I, I, You're I not know. wrong. I guess we just don't know what their resources were at the time. I mean, St. Louis is a big city, but it's also 1999. Oh, uh, yeah. And St. Louis is also not the most efficient of cities in terms of safety or police, especially in the 90s so oh don't we know it hard to really say what was really pursued in terms of leads and stuff yep that that that's true mm -hmm. it's also believed okay so let's get into the note a bit so we're, we're going to continue on this sort of topic at the moment that ricky wrote this note so a theory is that ricky was dyslexic or severely dyslexic and I'll get into why. 
once another theory was that Ricky, given his personality and the way he interacted with people, Ricky may have been a type of savant, perhaps. Uh, some people say maybe he even had Asperger's because apparently according to some, I, 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 and we don't, I don't know that we necessarily have this definitively from his mom, but there were some of my sources that said as a child, Ricky liked to make up codes and he'd be often in his own imaginary world, making up imaginary languages, ma writing different codes out, which is something I do. <laughs> Because it's fun. What can I say? To you, it is. I yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It is, and I'll I'll actually be bringing one of mine up. It's my favorite hobby. But I'll be bringing one of those up in relation to this. I'm sure at some point. But if he were somebody who, as a kid or as growing up, was known to create his own codes, if anything going back to the dyslexia which is a very common theory is that you know, if it was bad enough maybe he created his own system of writing that made sense to him and the way that he could view the letters and make his own sentences out and in that case the notes in his pocket will probably never be actually deciphered in that sense because we only know we don't know how he saw things but if that were the case he may have actually been used to writing in code. I know that, okay, so I, I said I was gonna bring up one of my examples. When I was doing my field school back in 2007, I had to keep a field school journal and then turn it into my professor at the beginning of the following semester because I did it over the summer. And then he would just read through it and give me the credit to use towards my minor. It's just a field school journal. It's nothing in there that I wouldn't want to share. It's just, you know, oh, today we went over to this site and we dug up these bones and today we went to the lab and we organized these stuff, you know, you know just basic stuff, nothing personal. I have never been the kind of person who could keep a journal or keep a diary. I have tried. I also had Snoopy Snoopy siblings, so that wasn't going to work anyway, but I've tried to keep a journal. I'm just it just doesn't work for me. I have tried. When I started doing the field school journal, because it was something I was responsible to do in order to get the credit for it, I maybe wrote, I don't know, the first five, six pages in English. And the rest of the time I wrote it in, in a code I'd made up, partly for fun, but I didn't need to write it in code. There was no reason to write in code. I wasn't trying to hide anything, but I did it because it's just more comfortable for me to write if I'm going to be writing down things like that I write in code and for a brief point I was writing general like calendar stuff in code just because it was fun to write it in code so that may have been something that Ricky did presuming he did this anyway and I keep saying code rather than cipher personally um you're gonna if you do research in this you're gonna hear Ricky McCormick cipher you're gonna hear the the McCormick code there is a difference on a very basic level between codes and ciphers. Codes, you can think about it like an alphabet because typically a code, like you have a simple substitution code is gonna be a letter to letter substitution, A equals B, C equals D, or however you wanna rearrange it. There's so many different possibilities. A cipher is gonna be more like a language. There's going to be syntax and some grammar to it. It's going to be far more complex. So I would, it's possible that this is a cipher. It's possible it's a code. So this is why they're probably intertwined. And I think that mostly it's going to end up being up to personal opinion on whether it's one versus the other. But we also have no key for it. So, and we don't know if any, any handwriting analysis, we don't know if Ricky wrote it. So we can't really take it as a reference to any other known anything. So it's kind of, you're going to see cipher versus code on this. So, but to give you some context of what a code and cipher are in relation to Ricky's notes. So there's 30 lines of notes on these two pages. It's not actually believed as to which page is first, but on one page, it does say PG1. 
or is it P1? On the top corner of one of the pages, which we typically denote as page one. So it's believed that that particular page is the first page. But there are groupings of different letters. There's even numbers in this mixed in. And there's a lot of repetitive things, which if you're taking a substitution code, that would make sense because then you can take those multiple references and apply them, but it's still to this day unsolved. It's also thought that this might be a polygraphic cipher. So if a simple substitution cipher is one letter substituted for another letter, a one-to-one, -one, polygraphic is usually two-to-two. -two. So you've got two-letter pair combinations substituting for another two-letter pair combinations, which could practically be endless. An example, double E's might translate to double L's. A TH in a code could maybe translate to a PH. Uh, a BAN might equal ING. There's so many different ways you could do this. It's possible it's a substitution code. It's possible that it might be a shift cipher if or shift code if we're going with that. Maybe it's a Caesar shift, which is actually a really nice secure way of coding things. There's another one, which I, I enjoy doing sometimes. I mean, you can do frequencies on it too. Like E is the most common letter in the English alphabet. If assuming your, your code is written in English, E is the most common letter. So if you're doing a substitution codes, the simplest thing to do is to try to find three letter pair combinations or single letter. So if you've got a repeating three-letter combo, it in English, it's likely going to be the, T-H-E, and, A-N-D, or possibly but, B-U-T, but mostly and and the, because that's how English is written out. If you've got single letters, I or A, and you can kind of go from there, doesn't really quite work here. And if you're doing polygraphic, it makes it all the more complicated. But the reason that we think that this may have been possibly related to dyslexia and phonetic is that there is a portion within the code that one of the sections is R, I'm sorry, F-R-S-E-P-R-S-E-O-N. And you might look at it and go, well, that's just an abbreviation for first person. Following that, there's also C-D-N-S-E-E-P-R-S-E-O-N. Phonetically could be second person. There's so many different ways that this could go. We don't really know. Mind-boggling. I mean, I won't even get into how I create my codes. They're not difficult codes. I would say they're maybe be like intermediate beginners level. <laughs> but they're just fun to create. I'm, I'm a nerd and I like codes. So continuing, we know, hmm? we know you're a nerd and like codes. I don't even think I've ever told you how I made my, my codes. Not yet. Well, I can, but I, I might confuse you if you don't. Okay, let me put it this way. You, I'm already confused, lady. <laughs> We're not even looking at pictures of the codes. So uh, you've read The Beekeeper of the Princess. So... There's, yeah. this is how I got, uh, well, I got into cryptography, thank you to Edgar Allan Poe, actually, uh, but the Beekeeper's Apprentice came very soon after that, and I thank my high school librarian for this. So, in the novel Beekeeper's Apprentice, which is an excellent Sherlock Holmes pastiche, at a certain point in the book, Mary Russell and Sherlock Holmes are being pursued by an unknown adversary. At one point in the book, in the middle, they try to evade their captors they're off doing something else and when they're done with thing that they're working on they're back on the streets in victorian london or actually in the 20s in london but they're they're, they're going back into the carriage to go back home and the carriage has been torn apart and inside the seat cushions is they've been cut up in what looked like roman numerals and I've made codes in Roman numerals, and I will tell you, trying to redecipher that is hard, even if you wrote it yourself, especially if you write it in the way that Rome, uh, in, uh, Latin is written, where there's practically no punctuations or spaces between words. It's really hard to read. 
makes it really hard. But there's a message left for them in Roman numerals. And they started to put every different way of writing and code solving that Holmes is aware of into trying to solve this. It turns out it's similar to what they were doing, but off by a little bit. So another point in the book, not too long after this, Mary's off at college and she's trying to fix a, a broken bookshelf when she notices a book on Henry VIII, but the eighth is written out in Roman numerals. And she realizes, well, my math teacher has been teaching us about eight base number theory, which is actually in relation to Professor Moriarty and Sherlock Holmes. And there is, a, I think it's an actual theory because we have 10 digits, right? Five on each hand. So there's a eight digit number theory that's if we didn't have thumbs, what would our math be like? It's, it's an interesting concept. So Mary realizes, oh, it's, we've been working in a base 10 number system trying to solve the Roman numerals in base 10 to letter substitutions and it's not working out. They realize, she's like, oh, well, let me try it in base eight. And it tells them the codes. She figures it out eventually. And that's actually something really fun to do. But who knows, that could have been something for this as well. We don't know because it's never been solved. So the Ricky McCormick notes made their way to the FBI's office in 2001. And one of the analysis at the time, Dan Olson spent two weeks working on it and tried to apply every known cipher solving that he could figure out. He looked for patterns, tried frequency analysis. He broke sentences into groups of numbers and letters, applied up-to-date software for the time. Two weeks, no luck. He brought in other analysts from the department they were working in, which is the cryptography and racketeering department, which seems a little odd, but it, it does make sense, particularly if you're working with the mob. They tried taking the number coordinates and the letter combinations and running them through addresses throughout St. Louis, still nothing. They tried running them through map coordinates, still nothing. And 12 years later, after it hit the FBI's office, on March 29th of 2011, they made it public. And in fact, at the time, Dan Olson put out a, a plea to the public saying, we are really good at what we do, but we could use some help on this one. Breaking this code could reveal the victim's whereabouts before his death and could lead to the solution of a homicide. Not every cipher we get arrives at our door under these circumstances. Even if we find out that he was writing a grocery list or a love letter, we still would want to see how the code is solved. This is a cipher system we know nothing about. Maybe someone with fresh set of eyes can come up with a brilliant new idea. They put it out on their website and it got so much traffic, they made a dedicated page just to it. But still, to this day, it's obviously unsolved. No work. No, no amateur sleuths have been able to solve it. The FBI's cryptologists have been able to um, you know, solve it. So everyone's like, uh, there's, there's theories that the person who wrote it is just a mastermind at creating codes. But depending on how you're looking at it, you could look at it from that point of view. You could look at it from a very basic point of view. This is like going back to the dyslexia. This is somebody with a hard time who learning to read, a, per, a person with a really hard time learning to write. This is maybe just how his brain transferred the information in front of him. And this is what the result is. We don't know. But in terms of the letters, there does appear to be sort of a method to the madness because there's enough repeating information within the note that it doesn't appear to be completely random and that there's enough repeating information that the analysts believe that this is some sort of actual code or cipher. So within the note, the letter E is the most common letter in the note, but it appears far more frequently than you would even if you were doing frequency analysis. So there are some thoughts that the letter E either starts, or sorry, it never actually starts a sentence, 
but it's believed that it may be used at the end of a sentence or as a space between words or sentences, much like a period, because there's no periods in the note either. And there are letter groupings that are re repeated in this, but they don't match any substitutions. So we can't really figure it out. As I mentioned before, if you've got something and that's done in a substitution code, you look for three letter combinations and you could substitute and or the, which are the three mo two most common three letter combinations in English. But this doesn't work for the Ricky cipher or code. He's got PRS, one combination, second combination, NCV, third combination, WLD are the three most frequent three letter combos, but they don't translate to anything that we're aware of. It's also put out by a couple of sleuths that they could also represent words in English, but because they some of them have E's on one end or the other, that these particular three-letter combos might denote prefixes or suffixes to certain words. So there's a common five-letter phrase within the notes, N-P-R-S-E. So I mentioned P-R-S as a common three-letter combo and E either ends a word or is a space between words. So that in of itself could denote another specific word, we're not sure. Also the letters J and U are not in the notes. And if you do it letter frequency, Z and Q are two of the least used letters in the entire, in the English alphabet. So it may be if they're substituted for one reason or another, J and Q being not in these notes, maybe Z and Q. The letters N, C, V, E altogether appear about at least 10 times between both pages. And they even end some of the lines of 30, the 30 lines of code. It's also possible that N, C, V, E is a break between sections or sentences, much like E is a break between words or sentences. So I know that sounds really confusing, especially if you're not really into cryptography. And when I'm, I'll just give me another minute and then feel free to ask for any clarifications because I'm sure you're gonna want some. Uh, so in terms of breaking a code, which is usually much easier than a cipher, but it works kind of both ways really. So you first step, there's four steps. First step, you have to know the language the code is in. Is it English to English? French to French, you know, if you don't know what language it's written in, it's gonna be really hard to translate it, especially if you're doing from English to a different language and you're not, you don't know what you're doing uh, in terms of what the, the language is supposed to be. Second step, find the way that a code is created. Is it a substitution? Is it a Caesar shift? Is it one, another way of doing it for a substitution is to have, a word or a couple of words written out and then adjust the other letters to fit. So say if you're going A through Z and you have the letter, you have St. Louis, S-T-L-O-U-I-S. No repeating letters. Those are the first seven letters, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, A, B, C, so the first three letters are the first seven letters now s-t-l-o-u-i-s h through z could remain h through z for the rest of the code you could switch them up you can do h equals z z equals h you could reduce them to the letter frequencies that follow there's so many different combinations but you have to figure out what this is and from there you can do step three which is once you figure out the key you can then reduce the text to plain text to the language it's actually written in. And then from there, you take the plain text, use the key you have and create it back to its original code. So know the language, find the key, solve the code, reduce it back to its coded form. The FBI has barely been able to get past level or, or step one because we have no key. We don't even know if it's actually written in English, but Ricky knew no other languages other than English. So it's very likely that it's in reference to English, but that's all we know. 
And that's where we are to this day. So basically nowhere. Right. And we haven't been anywhere since 1999 when it was found. Right. Because we're, we, we don't have a way to break the code. We don't have a clue as to what he was really writing, if it was written by McCormick. Exactly. In fact, this has stumped so many people and stumped the FBI. I believe it's number three on their unsolved codes list. I forgot to look up what number one and number two are, sorry. Did you say on the FBI's unsolved code list? Yes. I'm probably thinking number one or number two might be the unsolved Zodiac letter that most people believe is probably gibberish. I have looked at that, but it's been about four years. I'm not finding like their specific code list, but maybe you have it may have more been up resources than I do. Anymore. You broke up. I'm sorry, what? I said it may have been a thing at one point. Maybe it's not up anymore. I'm not sure. I have no idea, but I do know Ricky McCormick's was definitely like one of the things that said was like unsolvable. Right. I'm I mean, I look at the Ricky McCormick, you know, it's just from my my amateur brain on codes. I look at it and I literally see substitution codes, but also the way that some of it's written out, it looks like that it could be phonetic, but uh, we don't know. I, I mean, I have like I said, I haven't looked at it in about five years almost. But that's given nothing the- for you, hmm? that's nothing for you. You remember everything, right? <laughs> Every single letter. Yeah. No, but what's the, the thing is, it's also hard to tell sometimes because it's, it's not, you could read most of these letters, but the person that wrote it was probably not the best at writing and again i put to you this just because ricky was fairly illiterate in a high school dropout doesn't mean he didn't learn how to write it just maybe learned not to be able to write in coherent sentences but he maybe found a way to write so that he could make sense to himself yeah i mean as long as it made sense to the person reading it right and again, it may not have even been McCormick's. He may have just been couriering the note. Right, exactly. So we have, so what, what this sounds like is the reason we have no way of cracking this code is because we have zero ideas of where this note even comes from or where it starts. Right. Like its own original source is unknown. Right. And that's what really makes it difficult. I mean- hard yeah right well right but i mean it could be if if it could be a code it could be a cipher we don't specifically know because we can't figure out the key i know for me that like if we're going back to the dyslexia thing and that first person second person possible phonetic portion of this I have tried to write code in abbreviations because it definitely makes shorthand writing notes and writing things in shorthand much easier. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm writing my own notes and abbreviation as a shorthand, I can't go back and read it because I don't remember what I wrote. I'm the kind of person, my brain works better for a letter to letter code than it does as a whole cipher, but ciphers are also quite complicated. And I don't feel like I've quote graduated to working on ciphers because this is a fun hobby for me. Give me a cryptogram and I could probably solve it in about 10 minutes, but give me a code like this, nah, probably not. But I love doing cryptograms. They're a great puzzle solve to take on a trip. That would be you. Yeah. Oh, I did. I, oh, I did. I, I don't know that I actually ever told you. So when I was working at the Queen Mary for some time, uh, which is, oh man, I love her, but I would take, uh, travel size cryptograms with me you know you can get them at the grocery store like you get crossword puzzles and i would take them with me because i'd hate crossword puzzles like i can't uh, the, the, uh, crossword puzzles as a whole uh, in, in terms of puzzles are fun but what you're going to find in the grocery store style crossword puzzles are going to ask me questions about things i could care less about like which kardashian did something or other or what happened on this soap opera i don't know i don't watch them so I'm not going to know the answers for that. So that makes no sense to me whatsoever. So I'd rather just stick to word finds or cryptograms. 
but I would take these cryptogram books with me and I'd work on them when I had some downtime or maybe during lunch or something. And in the two years or so that I worked there, I think I had, well, that and when I was also doing my certification for the crime scene investigation, all combined, I think maybe in the last 10 years, I've maybe had five people in total in 10 years ask me what I was working on and could I show them how to do it? Hmm. More often than not, if somebody sees me working on cryptograms, so this has probably happened at pretty much every job except for the one I currently have because I haven't been doing that there because I am, it's, it's, I don't have a place to really do them. But I've had many people over the years see me working on cryptograms and just sitting there and solving it. It's kind of like, it's interesting. It's like if people watch me crochet, they don't want me to show them how to do it, but they somehow get a satisfaction out of watching me do it. It's really interesting. But they'll watch me do cryptograms and they go, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm just, it's just cryptograms. It's just a letter to letter substitution. You solve A for B and you kind of go from there. They're like, I don't know what you just told me, but it looks really confusing. Are you some sort of genius? Yeah. Like, no far from it i'm sure no i i just definitely think differently than most people uh and i really like puzzles so i i know i'm just weird and i was like well i can it's very simple you just solve one letter for another letter the concept is quite simple you just kind of have to think about it but i can show you if you're interested and 99 percent of the time people are like no i'll just watch you do it i'd rather just you know be mindless and watch youtube videos which kind of fair to a certain point but I've had five mm -hmm. people ask me over the years could I show them how to do it I'm like yeah sure it's very simple you just have to think and apply some time to it if you but it's kind of fun if that's something you like and I usually start off with giving them a couple small samples of just basic substitution codes so I'm like okay solve these two samples and if you like them I can give you something a little harder and if you have questions, feel free to ask. And at the bottom, I've given you two or three hints. So they're really simple. You just go ahead and let me know if you like it. They've all come back and said, yeah, this is kind of fun. Can you give me something a little more interesting? And I was like, sure, let me give you something a little longer. So also here's, so here's two other basic substitution codes. Here's two of, it's like a medium level. Here's the, like two of a code I made up. See if you can solve those just for fun because I never had anyone to play with see how interested they are and here at the bottom are two very difficult ones which i've written out in roman numerals mm. like there's a hint for each one but if you have questions feel free to ask out of the five they've all solved solved the first two the simple ones three of the five didn't bother to work they're like i was i, I got way too confused after the first two so i didn't try solving the middle two but two of them did try solving the medium level ones. No one attempted to solve the Roman numeral ones because I will tell you, if you write out Roman numerals, it, it's really confusing. But mine was written in my numerals. So as I was being weird, I was studying my archaeology. So my code is really fun. It's not anything difficult. It may be a little long in terms of creating it, but I was just having fun. But I would take A through Z substitute the letters and letter frequency or whatever I felt like at the time. So A equals E because E is the most common letter and go from there. Then translate the numbers into a non-10 base number system, much like the one from uh, the Beekeeper's Apprentice. And then just for extra fun, I'd, I was doing my archaeology. I was, so I was like, oh, I'll just translate the numbers into my numeral systems and kind of go from there. Because much like the Roman numerals, you've only got maybe three or four characters from the numbers. It's hard to tell one, two, three, four from each other because they're all just straight lines, right? So it kind of, or well, maybe not four, but one, two, and three. They're all just straight lines. Same thing with my numerals. They're just all dots. So you have a dot and a shell, which denotes zero. So you can, depending on how you write it. Oh, and there's a line. So there's a dot for single, dot, there's a dot, there's a dash for fives, and there's a shell for zero. 
it makes sense when you look at it don't bother but i i know i kind of make the, the point of it complicated but yeah it's fun if you like doing it but looking at ricky's codes it's just it looks like gibberish but it also just looks like a substitution code but it also looks like it could be phonetic so it makes it really really complicated we and just don't know yeah i have no answer but if you've got theories our listeners feel free let us know yeah please do please do and if you need more clarification just feel free to ask yes all of the above but on that note <laughs> uh yeah i was really excited and i'm sure i'm nerded out enough that you probably are just like because you look confused uh oh believe me trust me i need to let that sink in for a little bit and i'll probably come back to you in a day or two with like 50 billion questions just just give me some time to let this soak in because i'm not my brain doesn't work that way where it's like oh i totally get what you're saying or i have questions now i always come up with the questions like a 24 hours later because i just need to soak up the information because that was also a lot of cryptography and code information that majority of it went like over my head majority of the time not my hobby like they're just yeah yeah so yeah but on that note (laughs) that'll do for this episode of history explains it all hope you enjoyed it hope i confused some people hope i converted some people over to the cryptography dark side maybe but we do hope to see you next week as we trick through history too Explain Explain it it all. all. Just not this one. Bye. (laughs) Bye.